Today I'm talking about a guy and a fish. <laughs> Have you ever, who knows the story of Jonah? Who grew up with the story of Jonah? Yeah, we're talking about Jonah today, if you haven't guessed it. And it's actually a fantastic story. So um, I'm going to go into storytelling mode right now. If you haven't heard the story, uh, it, it's great. So the story of Jonah. There was this, this prophet, this man named Jonah. He was a son of a guy named Amittai. Jonah was a prophet of God. And one day, the voice of God actually came to Jonah and said, Jonah, son of Amittai, he said, arise and go to Nineveh. It was a great city and call out against it for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah, Jonah didn't arise and go. Jonah actually arose and fled. He packed his bags and he went down to, he was going down to a place called Tarshish to escape from the presence of the Lord. But in order to get to Tarshish, he had to go down to a place called Joppa to board a ship. And so after he boarded the ship, he went down into the hold of the ship and went to sleep. So mid-sleep, Jonah's in this ship and all of a sudden, Jonah's startled. He wakes up, looks above him. It's the captain of the ship and the captain is saying, Jonah, arise and pray to your God. Maybe he will pay attention to us and spare our lives. You see, when Jonah was sleeping, a big storm had come and it was raging and shaking the ship and Jonah's like, oh my goodness. So Jonah went, uh, went to the deck of the ship and saw the crew, the sailors, they were frantic. They were throwing cargo overboard and just to lighten the load, and they were praying each to their own gods because they hoped that they would be spared. They hoped that they would be saved from this, this raging sea because the ship was just about to break apart. You see, they were calling out to their gods, but calling out to God was exactly what Jonah did not want to do. He wanted to get as far away from God as possible. So, not knowing what to do or, or who was responsible for it, the crew got together and they did something called casting lots, which was basically their way to see uh, who was the one uh, that, that was responsible for causing this evil. They cast the lots and the lots fell on Jonah, rendering him responsible. So at once the uh, crowd just went over to Jonah and they said, who are you, Jonah? And where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? They just, they kept asking him. So all of a sudden Jonah was like, okay, fine. I'm a Hebrew, and I feel, fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and who made the dry land. And he told them that he was fleeing the presence of God. And at that, the men became very afraid. And they said to them, they said to Jonah, what have you done? And not knowing what to do with the sea just growing more and more violent, Jonah finally told the crew because the sea was, or the ship was at breaking point. He said, go ahead and just throw me overboard since all of this is happening because of me. But the men, the sailors, they refused to. You see, a person's life was too valuable for them. So they said, no, we're just going to row harder and harder and try to get to dry land. But here's the thing, the harder and harder that they rowed, the harder and harder that the storm and the sea raged. So finally, the pagan sailors, they called out to Jonah's God. And they said, oh Lord, don't make us die for this man's sin and don't hold us responsible for his death. Oh Lord, you have sent this storm upon him for your own good reasons. So with that, they picked Jonah up and they tossed him into the sea. 
Not really fun for Jonah. And then, but here's the thing, right when Jonah hit the sea, it calmed. The storm, the storm stopped. And then the story goes that the Lord appointed this huge fish. We all remember the story? Huge fish and came and swallowed up Jonah. And Jonah was inside of this fish for three days and three nights. He was in the belly of the fish. And it was in the belly of the fish that Jonah prays to God. A long prayer. And then after that prayer, the fish started going up and spit Jonah up onto the dry land. And he was there. And then the voice of the Lord called on Jonah again and said, Jonah, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out upon it the message that I have you. And that this time, Jonah actually went up and he went. He decided to go to follow God. And when he got to Nineveh, he called out against it and people listened. They repented of their sins and they turned to God. And this made Jonah furious. It made him so furious that he said to God, oh Lord, isn't this what I said to you when I was in my country? That is why I fled to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, oh Lord, Please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. The story of Jonah. Now, it's, it goes on a little bit, but I want to stop there. Jonah, it's, it's just such a, a fascinating story. I mean, it's a story where you get this guy, this prophet named Jonah, Jonah, son of Amittai, which the name Amittai is just fascinating because that means son of faithfulness. <laughs> but Jonah was anything but faithful, and while this godly prophet loses his faith, pagan sailors gain their faith. And it's also a story where you get to see just the compassionate heart of God. That God is not a God who is just quick to anger, but he's slow to anger. He's merciful. He isn't bloodthirsty. He's compassionate. And the story of Jonah is also, well, a story. It's, it's what we call a parable. Now, I want to talk about that a little bit. So when you read Jonah as if it were anything but a parable, if you read it as like a historical document, what's interesting is you'll find yourself focusing on and getting stuck on things that the author just never intended you to just focus and get stuck on. For example, if during the story, when, when you heard it when you were younger or older or even now, and you heard that the great fish, this huge fish swallowed Jonah, and you're like, wait a second, What's going on? Like a person can't survive in a fish. If you're really confused, well, yes. Number one, you're not alone. That's kind of confusing, even though God can do what God, God wants to do. But number two, there's an intentional point being communicated that something so much deeper is going on that's often best understood through a parable. You see, parables unlock deeper truths. That's why Jesus spoke most often in parables. And the book of Jonah is just packed with parable-like material. For example, in Jonah, we have uh, a lot of rhetorical devices. I mean, everything is just big in Jonah. There's this, this great city. There's this great wind. There's this great storm who's hurled into the sea. Have you ever had a, do you have a friend that like everything is the best always? And you're like, whoa, calm down. I'm that friend to most people. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, 
have, have patience with us, introverts. But um, everything is big, and there's just a lot of uh, rhetorical devices, and there's also just a bunch of illustrative and just active language, uh, and different objects are described as having different personalities. Like, it says the ship reckons. And in chapter 2, chapter 2 is just the prayer of Jonah. And what's interesting is that the chapter is a bunch of different psalms just put together to create this prayer. It's prayers that the, the readers would have been familiar with. They knew those prayers. And the list just goes on and on and on. And on. But now while it's just really fascinating, there's a lot of really great things about the parable of Jonah uh, and a lot of lessons that we can glean uh, from today. I want to talk about Jonah's running, about Jonah going down. Now, chapter 1, the very first thing right after Jonah is introduced, the first words said are, arise and go. And this is important because the word arise literally means go up, to go up. But how does Jonah react? He, he does arise, but not to go up, to go down. And Jonah continues to go down and down and down. Jonah goes down to Joppa. He goes down to the ship. He goes down into the hold of the ship. And then he goes to sleep, down in a metaphorical sense. He goes down over the boat into the sea. He goes down into the belly of the big fish. And then the fish takes Jonah down into the sea. Jonah is going down. He's running away from up. And then he prays. And in this prayer, we have Jonah going down into creation itself. Until we reach this, this part in chapter 2, verse 6, the first part of it, where it says, I went down into the land and the bars of the earth shut me out. You see, at this point of Jonah's descent into disobedience, Jonah gets closed out of creation. And he can only experience this because of this poetic parable has this fish taking him down into the sea. And Jonah is doing this running, this, this going down, because he's trying to flee the one who is up. He's trying to flee God himself. Now, there's another psalm uh, that talks about God's closeness uh, and of his presence, how his presence is close. And that's Psalm 139. And in that, the psalmist, David, he wrote, where can I flee from your spirit? Or where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wing, uh, wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. Now this song, it, this psalm, it's a very comforting thing for us that there's nowhere we can go to escape uh, the presence of God. But in Jonah's case, he wants to run away from God's presence. He wants to go down. And since the only place where, where within creation, or, and since there's, sorry, there's no place within creation that Jonah uh, can't, uh, can go to escape God's presence, he can't escape creation because God is within creation everywhere. The only place he can go is outside of creation. And we have this fish taking him down in a very poetic way outside of creation. 
Now, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever run away from something before? Have you ever run away from someone before? Have you ever tried to run away from God? I remember a time when I was uh, pretty young. I was uh, living in a smaller house. I was a really young kid, and I was with my two parents and my two brothers. And at this time, my aunt and uncle were, were going through a really, really, really rough patch. And my four cousins actually moved in uh, with us. So this went from uh, a, a cramped house to like an extremely, extremely cramped house. And my parents, like I kind of struggled. I was a middle child and I struggled with attention. Like my older brother got all the attention. My younger brother got the attention. And I'm like, hey, I'm here in the middle. Any middle children? You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> and so I was already kind of upset that I didn't get that much attention. And then four cousins moved in and I was just pretty upset about that. And although I should have understood that my cousins just left this experience, this, this situation where um, they didn't receive that much love from their parents, I was mad. I thought I deserved more love than them. I thought that I deserved it. I was selfish. Well, one day, one of my cousins, they, they decided to run away, or, or so we thought. So that my cousin ran away. We couldn't find my cousin, and my parents started freaking out. So they went all over town. We were, we were charged to find my cousin. We couldn't find my cousin. So my parents went to our neighbors and got my neighbors to go and try to find my cousin, but we couldn't find my cousin. And soon they called the cops, <laughs> and the cops are looking for my cousin. We couldn't find my cousin, and it was just a really, really hard day. So my parents went into my cousin's room. They, they sat on my cousin's bed, and they just were defeated. They're like, oh my goodness, I don't know what to do. And then they heard something underneath the bed, and it was my cousin. <laughs> my cousin was underneath the bed, and my parent, they, apparently she hid, and she was faking running, running away. So my parents, they got her out of under the bed, and then they scolded her, but then they did something. Then they embraced her. And my parents told, uh, told her that they were afraid that something had happened to her, and that they were so thankful that she was there and that they just loved her so much. And I saw that happening, and I got mad. I had it. I, I, I mean, we had spent the whole day looking for my cousin, and we finally found her, and then I saw my parents just hug my cousin with this deep hug, and I'm like, I deserve a hug. The middle children never get a hug. And I was so mad that I'm like, that is it. So I charge into my room. I got my dark green Jansport backpack, you know, and I got my teddy bear, shoved my teddy bear in there. I zipped it up. I put it on my back, and I was gone. I was running away. So I opened up my front door, closed it behind me, and I took off. I was running away for good. I marched across the front lawn, and I went to in front of my neighbor's house. I was gone. And then I went by their big tree. I was done. No turning back. And then I went by another house, and another house, and another house, and I clenched my fists, and I just kept, I kept walking. I was gone. And then I heard something. I heard my dad. He actually ran up behind me. And soon after, I, I felt him place his hand on my shoulder and, and gently turn me around. And then he got down. And he looked me in the eye. And he, he gave me the biggest hug that I could ever remember. And he said, Michael, please stop running. Come home. He told me that he loved me. 
And that just because my cousins were with us does not mean that he loves me any less. But they needed to know that they were loved too. What makes you run? If you do run, what is it? Maybe it's not like a, a full-on sprint. Maybe it's only in a few things. But what are areas in your life where you hear God say, arise? But you do anything but arise. You actually run away. Like Jonah. For God so loved the world. But that's exactly, exactly why Jonah ran away. He knew that God is gracious. As it says in Jonah, he is merciful. He's slow to anger. He's abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. But you see, Jonah did not like that about God. He didn't think the Ninevites deserved that type of love. So Jonah ran like a jealous kid. He took off. God is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Do we want others to know that? Do we arise and go and tell them? So Sanctuary has experienced uh, different transformations, and, and right now we're, we're opening up the uh, coffee bar and outside for a pre-service kind of hangout. We're calling it Sank Hang, and we're intentionally doing that so that we as a community can find people who, who don't know Jesus or are looking for a community. We want to make it easier for you to invite and so they can be a part. That's why you see our service projects like Habitat for Humanity, the first Saturday of every month. As a community, we go and build low-income houses for under-resourced people together, and we intentionally open that up where we can invite people to go with us and, and, and share the love of Jesus, even if it's just through welcome. But have you ever met someone before in this invitational attitude or, or just thinking about what it means to, to love someone and you come across that person where you're like, oh man, I just can't love that person. They've hurt me too much. They've hurt me too deeply or they're just unlovable. Maybe it's your boss. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's those who are receiving some kind of appreciation or promotion or a type of attention that you think you deserve. Or maybe it's not that. Maybe it's not about other people experiencing love or, or, or being worthy or deserving of love, but maybe it's you. Maybe, it, like, at the end of the day, you just feel like, man, I don't know if I deserve that type of love. A love that's not conditional, that's, or a love that is, is not based on condition, a love that's unconditional. I mean, like, who actually loves others without condition who are not loved back? I mean, truly and deeply love others like God. And, and, but that's the thing about God. He is faithful to us even when we're unfaithful to him. He loves us even when we don't love him, when we don't love others. The love of God is not fair. Grace is not fair. It's receiving something when you ultimately don't deserve it. And Jonah, Jonah did not like that. So Jonah ran. He ran far away from God. And he went 
down deep into that poetic story and he reached the only place where he thought God was not outside of creation. And for three days he was there in the belly of this huge fish. Now I want to talk about that fish. The fish is just such an interesting part about Jonah in the story. Like he gets swallowed by a fish. What's going on? And what's interesting about that uh, about the fish is that at the now I'm going to get a little theological with you, but I'll make it easy and fun. So that's the you can theology can be that. So at the end of chapter one, when the the great fish is introduced, right before he eats up Jonah, so uh, the fish is introduced as uh, uh, it's Hadog. That's the, the name of the fish. That's what the fish is called, Hadog, and that's in the masculine form. Basically, there's a manfish. So this manfish comes up, manfish swallows Jonah and goes down. Right after that, chapter one is done, chapter two comes, and then it talks about the fish in the feminine, Hadagah. It's a woman fish now. Something changed. And now what's, what's interesting is that in a fun kind of way, you can, you can play with this, that, that the fish, while it's taking Jonah down into creation, perhaps becomes pregnant with Jonah. And from the belly of the fish, when Jonah is praying, I went down into the land and the bars of the earth shut me out. The moment that he thinks he's run the farthest away from God that he could, when he's in the depths of his deconversion, something within him changes. And he continues to say, yet, yet, you have brought my life out from the pit, O Lord my God. Yet you have brought my life out of the pit, O Lord my God. And when Jonah acknowledges uh, God and that redemption is only through him, something changes. When he makes that acknowledgement, he starts to go up. He's no longer down. The fish swims up. It spits Jonah up into the dry land. Jonah is a new man. In a sense, Jonah's been reborn. Jonah has been baptized. Jonah is resurrected up. And then he, he arises up and does as God asked him to. Now, it's in this, this fish part of the story that, that we get to see the prophetic beauty that the story of Jonah connects to God's larger story. So when you're in Sunday school and they ask you a question and you don't really know the answer, what do you, what do you shout out? Jesus. Okay, great. So we're ready for this next question. <laughs> Who else spent three days outside of creation and outside of life? Jesus. Yeah. Good job. You get a gold star, like a little Bible sticker or something like that. But Jesus himself actually said, for as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. When we sing the song, when we hear the parable about God, the good shepherd, leaving the 99 for the one sheep, it's true. Because there's nowhere we can run where Jesus isn't willing to run to get to us, including death. And if we experience a type of death in, in any situation, even in our running, God, he's able to rebirth in us, to resurrect in you, just like he did Jonah, new life. If you're sitting here right now and you're experiencing a situation or a circumstance where you 
it might sound like super harsh, but you kind of feel like death in. Why is this happening to me? How long should I be here? Where are you, God? It's the opposite of life. God is able to resurrect new life in you. So what are you running from? Is it God? Is it the idea of God? Is it a mistake? Is it a failure? Is it your past? That can, that can really get us our past. Is it a person? Is it a fear? Is it loneliness? Maybe you have a hard time loving others. Or maybe you have a hard time loving yourself. Everyone might be worth God's love to you, but you, because you've done that one thing, you, you've thought that one thought, you've been to that one place, and you find yourself going down, going down, going down, deep into a pit away from God. But here's the thing. Jesus went into the pit so he can bring you out of it. So what are you running from? Because you can't outrun God's love. No matter what you do or where you go, Jonah couldn't, the sailors couldn't, the Ninevites couldn't, and we can't either. Because no matter where you go, God will always be the father that is running behind you. He will always be the father that places his hand gently on your shoulder, gently turns you around. He'll be the God that gets down, that looks you in the eye, and that embraces you with the biggest embrace that you've ever gotten and says, my child, Please stop running. Come home. Now, I want to invite everyone to close their eyes, if you would. And I want to invite the worship team to come up. And I want you to just, in your mind, picture just a circumstance that, that you are running from God with right now. Maybe it's something really, really small, Maybe you don't know. Maybe your life is just like one big sprint and it's hard to keep up. Maybe it's something really big and you feel like you're running. And with your eyes closed, I want you to imagine instead of running away from God with that circumstance, what would it look like to run to God in that circumstance? come to a place where you can surrender to God and accept his invitation to pull you from the pit of your circumstance. So for the next minute or so, as the worship team is up here, there's an honest, just an honest invitation to, to carve out some space and see what it would look like for you to stop running in that area turn around and with that run to God <laughs>